best not miss. Well, I'm a bunch of little crowd playing motherfucker, motherfucker. Welcome to the Party Pal, the mind-bending film and television podcast you didn't know you needed. I am one of your hosts, Michael Shields. Welcome to the Party Pal is part of the Osiris Media Group. Head over to OsirisPod.com. Check out the vast array of podcasts they have to offer. Uh, I have with me today uh, one of our co-hosts, Mitch Lucas, to talk about a fine, fine film. Mitch, how are you doing today? Good. Uh, been a while as usual, but we're one of these days we're going to get a series of these going where we do two or three in a day, but hey, it's good to see you whenever I can, when we can do that. Anytime we can have you on, we, we love it. So yeah. we're here to talk about Nightmare Alley. It's directed by uh, Guillermo del Toro. It's a, a manipulative carny and a devious shrink join forces uh, in this riveting neo-noir remake of the 1947 classic. It was a novel uh, by William Lindsay uh, uh, Gresham. Um, it is up for best picture. And uh, to me, so deservingly so. I, uh, I'm pretty floored by this film and a lot of reasons why. And uh, um, I'm going to get into it. And uh, I have no idea what you think of this film so what do you think of this film well uh it it was a movie that i loved all the way through and then when it pulled it all together at the end i thought it was a masterpiece yeah um it went from really good to phenomenal and it's sort of full circle uh story uh following stan and uh on, you know, just on a personal level, it's all the things I like. I love, I love the underbelly type of stories, dark noir, carnivals and freaks and all this stuff is, it's all, you know, the fantasy, dark fantasy in the seedy underworlds, all the kinds of things that I like on a personal level. Um, I think of all the Guillermo del Toro films I've seen uh, this one might be Pan's Labyrinth. Me, I don't know. It's that's right up there with Pan's yep. Labyrinth, but yep. <clears throat> this might be my favorite. Uh, it's it, you know, he 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 makes films in a way that are, it's very it's very stylized. It's very formal in terms of just the best cinematography. The it's it's very high high. I don't know. Just it's 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 always impeccable. And they're they're sort of formal genre films in a way, um, and they they he's just so great at <clears throat> the the restraint and, and the beauty that he puts in into these things. It's it's really. Uh, I way. I don't um, I think that word you use I like I I, I use it without hyperbole. I believe this is a masterpiece. I've I've watched it multiple yeah. times now. I think it's just impeccably constructed. I think it's one of the most, uh, I'm going to get deep into the production design. I think it's one of the most impeccable uh, crafted as far as production design films I've, I've, I've almost ever seen. Like it just, just, I, I don't know. And you know what it, it, you've kind of mentioned it and you're talking about like what you feel like, like things that you are drawn to. Um, these are some of the most like cinematic universes you can like 
live in, whether it is the carny world. You know, I mean, they, like anytime you go into like these deep old, especially the time frame, like 1930s, 40s, uh, you know, the, that traveling carny world, it's there is a lot of enticing visuals there. And then at the same time, you have the um, kind of that booming young cities, Buffalo in this case, um, especially in, you know, they draw you into like the wealthy side of it. These are some of the most, uh, um, you know, uh, just cinematic settings that you could ever capture. And, and just having him take you into that world. And, and I think I want to start there. Uh, Del Toro is, to me, one of the most important and like impressive modern modern filmmakers that 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 is making films right now. And you know, sometimes um, uh, you know, I'm not a big horror guy. I was, but I've kind of uh, you know, my my tastes have kind of changed a little bit with that. And sometimes when he's making some of these horror films, I'm like, man, you know, I love his work so much. I I just you know want to like dive in but like even when he is crafting and i don't dive in because i'm scared of horror films but uh like uh you know hellboy hellboy 2 pacific rim i mean they're always like done uh you know with with care you know it's not it's just he loves you could tell he loves film is that like i think that's something like I could like easily say about him as a filmmaker, you he's, I mean, I don't want to use the word nerd, but he's definitely someone who appreciates what came before and is trying to build on the legacy and the history of film and multiple times throughout the last decade, he has, you know, made uh, what I believe, you know, whether it's Pan's Labyrinth, which you mentioned, I love The Shape of Water. Um, It's like three times now, including Nightmare Alley, where he's crafted like what I think could be considered the film of the year. He's a genius. Yes, and uh, <clears throat> I think where you where you can really uh, look at what you can compare him to someone like maybe Quentin Tarantino or Spielberg, where I think Spielberg makes a lot of different films, but he has this trademark on every film he makes. Yeah, Tarantino always. I, I think Tarantino grows a lot within the cinematography of his films, but like the genre is always, I wouldn't say crime, but <clears throat> there's always a violence around the stories. Sure. And so Del Toro, you know, I, these these sort of fantasy films, I call them more fantasy films than like horror because, you know, they're not, they're not shock you and scare you in terms of the different genres of horror films that could be out there. It's, it is more of a dark fantasy um, <clears throat> and he's just stayed with that and really continued to chisel away at the style and the form of it and, and how he wants to approach it. And there's, you know, there's filmmakers that every time they make a movie, it's completely different. And that can be a great thing if you, you're able to reinvent yourself every time out. There's some filmmakers that have made two or three beyond comprehension great films and then they made films that you're like he directed that you know (laughs) because maybe they just found a story that they liked and they didn't think about style um there's definitely directors out there that aren't consider aren't concerned with if they want to make a small film they make a small film 
a big film, they make a big film, and their voice, their their presence is smaller. They're more in the background, and there's nothing wrong with that. But you have to you have to look at him as someone who has really stayed the course with the overall portfolio of what he's done in the overall sort of you know archive of everything is <clears throat> gonna you know it's it's really he's 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 continued to de develop to develop his own genre that that's i mean this might be you know this might be the I, i'm sure he's gonna make more but right now you can look at this and say wow he's really pulled it all together uh, agreed yeah i've said what's what's fun about him um and especially when you learn more about like kind of uh his um you know outside of uh filmmaking he has he has he has a whole home that is basically just a collection of monsters like like you know like from films for like old you know like um you know puppets and monsters and the whole thing and you know uh with this film because he has to have a monster uh, and you do, you kind of get a little bit of a monster in um, Enoch, that uh, baby with the with the uh, with that third eye, and he's kind of floating and thing. Of course, they, you know, and I love that they they actually brought it home with Enoch um, to, to uh, kind of jump to the end. Uh, you see the credits when they 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 in the credit scenes, you actually are taken uh, into his head, and they should like kind of like wrap you through the stitches, which is amazing. Yeah. But in this film. The monsters are truly the humans. This is good. I mean, we have monsters still, and we, we have a yeah. monster in you know Stan, which is Bradley Bradley Cooper playing Stan, and um, I just no supernatural elements in this one. Absolutely, exactly. definitely, that a hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, from the onset, and I and like that was something that really, I mean, I was kind of floored just immediately. I mean, it's a it's a noir inspired film, but I mean. The, um, you know, like just from the opening scene, you're seeing Stan pull what turns out to be his father's body, dragging a body, and you're just seeing these two windows behind it. Um, and, you know, they, they do a lot of, uh, and this is Dan uh, Lawson's uh, work, um, uh, kind of that um, single source lighting where you kind of just get in the floods and, and it, it, which is amazing. It makes the, makes the film glow in a different way, but, He's dragging the body in and and just the lights pouring through the windows and he lights the match. And I mean, my uh, my jaw was on the floor, like uh, just just visually, immediately. And then we're drawn right into kind of this uh, carny world. And just like, I mean, I just I can't stop. I can't get these pictures out of my head of the of the, um, you know, the the. Uh, why can't I think of the word right now? The um, Ferris wheel. <laughs> that was the word that was <laughs> alluding me. Just like spinning and just like, just like these dark thing. It just, it was, it, but everything as dark as it was, it felt so crisp. And it just like, it, it I don't know. Uh, visually, I think we'll get into some themes and everything, but visually this film just absolutely floored me. And that's Dan Lawson. He's, this is the fourth time he has worked with um, Guillermo, uh, he did Shape of Water, this film, Mimic, and uh, uh, what was it? Um, there was one other one, Crimson. What's the Crimson film? Crimson Leak, I think it's called. Either way, what an amazingly yeah. shot and visually captivating film. What do you think of it visually? Well, it's very uh, like clean. It's very straightforward. In it, it, it's just it's not trying to be a modern take on this idea. 
uh, where you uh, like I feel like with someone like David Lynch, if he was to approach this idea, you'd almost have the opposite of of the dark underbelly in terms of how visually you would see something that feels like it could be happening at like your local shopping mall mm -hmm. in a way. <laughs> but this really, they want you to feel like you're taken to the past and that you're. Uh, I mean, it's a period film, obviously, but he really leans into that that eccentricity of mm. of of what the film is about and what the genre is about it's dark all the way through and just meticulously placed period elements mm -hmm. meticulously lit it, every you know it's it feels like the 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 art the art department's you know um mood boards and and style frames and such production production sketches i should say it really feels like you're seeing that artwork. Um, whereas, you know, there's some situations where you might see some beautiful development art in a, in a pre-production of a film and then you see the finished piece and you're like, they must not have been able to get all that, but it was great that they drew it all. But with his film, you really see the art <clears throat> maintain its way through how they put it all together. Even just that stylized electricity that came out when, uh, when uh, Molly's character is being uh, electrocuted for the for that, yep. I think it was for the first, uh, maybe it was for the very first time, um, but it swirls and in in just sort of, you know, it it's not it's unreal in terms of that you could never see it visually like that in real life is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's a it's a fantasy version of of reality and that's what we get that's what's so beautiful to like live inside for a while absolutely so um the like circus artists that they they like fully tried to mimic with all their drawings everything all their you know banners that they made for the circus his name is fred johnson he's kind of he was considered like the picasso of like circus painters at, at the time and um i read that they to do it for this film yeah no, I mean he was the one. I, I like he was like he was the one back in that time period, who was like like all his work was like featured in all the banners and like the circus things. And so, uh, forty circus tents were created um, by this hundred plus year old tent maker. His name is Armbruster uh, or, or Armbruster Manufacturing. It's a it's a tent tent maker company. What what I'm yeah. saying is they went all in. They just drew completely from that era of of you know like artistry of the whole thing and like that the, the production is what i think floored me the most and that's like when i it just uh we have to say her name it's tamara deverell and what's okay. what's kind of wild is um you know kind of looking at her imdb and just her history she hasn't done the you know that that much she um she was uh, on some show or movie, Cabinet of Curiosity. She did The Strain. Did you ever watch The Strain? It was Guillermo del Toro's show. I didn't. No. Yeah, and then uh, she worked on Suits, and she's done a lot of work on um, Star Trek Discovery, which I'm a fan of. I just, and yeah. one of the reasons I am, the production's insane. But she, her production on this was just out of control, if you ask me. It was, uh, um, just the feel or the the look or the palette that I kept getting was like heavy on these, especially as we move into the the city world was heavy on these greens and 
and gold tones and I don't know. I I just I just felt yeah. that every every piece, everything like that was assembled on the set, everything that was put together was done with a purpose. And and it just like that just I don't know. It really brings it home to me just like when like when every piece matters, whether it's in storytelling or production, I'm just so taken by it because they're like they they're they're trying so hard. This this film was constructed with purpose, with the, like it with, with like I don't know. It, it's it's yeah, they think, they went for it. Yeah, when you see, I think he differs from other masters like Christopher Nolan, for instance. When you see his films. They even if there's a fantasy element to it, it feels like it's in the real world. Yeah. Everything is yes. the full color as you see it in real life. Um, there, the in, the the production design is like we we'll use a real helicopter. It's not going to be a stylized helicopter. Everything feels like it could happen within the last thirty years, and it's just sort of real and of of not of the time, but like it just feels like real objects and just as your eye sees things. He is someone who, Guillermo del Toro is someone who really, it feels more like art when you're watching it. It's like you mentioned that, that murky green that almost, uh, that almost lives throughout the film. Uh, you know, that, that's part of his overall way of presenting it to you is it's more, it's just more stylized and, and what he's done with it is, it's just really, lean into that that very like classic stylized look it reminds yeah. me of you know i just it, it, i don't know why it reminds me of spielberg but it just feels like i i, I think that's fair and like you mentioned the word real um it's kind of like why you know and uh, apologies for bringing up star wars it always kind of uh, you know seeps into everything i talk about but like you know so much of us were drawn to that like kind of tangible that like the puppet use or like just yeah. like you know as opposed to cgi i feel like anytime like yammer is involved in a project he's like no we're not gonna we're not gonna you know cgi that we're we're bringing that to life we're, we're creating that i want them to feel that you can touch it you can like see it and like any of his monsters have been that way any of his filmmaking has been that way and you see it in every single aspect of this film it feels real it feels lived in it, it, it's it's i don't I, I i can't speak enough i think thematically it, and we should head that way it's it's also like a perfectly told story a, a transformative monster film but what takes me so much about this is just just what i'm seeing what i'm feeling from what i'm seeing it just it looks so good it's it's one of the best looking films i i've, I've seen in a long time yeah, I, I, I perfectly put together and just perfectly yep. lit. I don't know if you could shoot that on film with so dark all the way through. It's just, it's, there's a level of precision they needed and, and it really works. Doesn't it feel that way? Like, it, it just feels so perfectly constructed. I remember when I even, um, the first time I was watching it, I did watch it at home. I'm actually, I can't wait. I'm, I don't know if it's in the theaters around me, but I'm going to look up that because I'd love to see it in the theater. But, uh, I pressed pause at the moment that the first act kind of ended right at the end of, uh, you know, the carnival world as we were moving into Buffalo. I pressed pause. I was going to, you know, get some water. It was like, it like to a T, it was one hour. 
And like, I was just like, I'm like, that makes sense. I'm like, it just like something, everything felt so perfect. And the fact that that first piece of the film was exactly one hour. I was, it just, I don't know. Yeah. It just made sense. But we have to talk about the cast. I mean, holy shit. I mean, this, this, this team they put together for this, and it speaks to the type of people who want to work with Guillermo. We're talking Bradley Cooper, Tony Collette, William Defoe, Richard Jenkins, who's worked with them before, uh, Rooney Mara, Ron Perlman, again, who's worked with them before, Mary Steinberger, um, Daniel Stratham. I want, I, want, uh, I want to put a pin in that. And uh, at the end, Tim Blake Nelson, uh, Nelson. But this is, even in the smaller roles, like time and time again, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, look, look who's playing this role. Uh, one of the better cast I've seen put together in a while. Yeah, what uh, this is everyone in here is someone who I specifically like and <clears throat> specifically yeah. love. Tony Collette, I've always really liked uh, everything she's done. Um, <clears throat> Rudy Mara is someone who, yeah, you, she's always good in things, always exciting. There's always mystery about her. She's one you always feel like you, in a good way, I mean this, that you didn't quite see enough of her. She always yeah. leaves you wanting a little to wish she was in it for. 30 more minutes or something. Absolutely. Um, and I've always loved Bradley Cooper, but like this was the one where, okay, you made a movie that speaks to me and now like you're one of my favorite actors. I don't know how to explain <laughs> it. Like there's just something about this movie and his role that spoke to me so much that now I feel like I have this very, just a greater and greater enhancement of my enjoyment of, of his, of his acting. Um, Kate Blanchett is always so steady, always so perfect in, Every role she's in, and I feel like she was born to play this. This mm -hmm. is like, I, I, you know, I'm sure the film was challenging, but like it feels like this was all she had to do was walk it. She might have been wearing the clothes, you know, that <laughs> she needed to change in the wardrobe. That's how I imagine Kate Blanchett just walking around having coffee or something, just sort of, you know. <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, put together and, and she's so uh, good that she makes a role like this even look easy. It's it's she's uh, she's, she's so, makes everything look very effortless. Right? I know it's not, um, but yeah, I mean you can go on through. Um, I, I love I love how Richard Jenkins is really, in my opinion, a comedic actor. Yeah. It, but when he's in a film like this with, do you remember the Toro? His the darker side of him comes out so beautifully. I mean he's a He's the darkest, scariest character in this. Um, you know, Bradley Cooper has greed, but I, and, and he's cold in ways, but like the, Richard Jenkins' character is a little bit more ruthless, I think. The fact that um, the way he portrayed his character too was ruthless, as you just said, but the fact that he gave over to Stan uh, I was a huge moment in the film. Because, I mean, that was the point where they were going to break him. They, they, you know, they hooked him up to the lie detector test and everything like that. And when, when you know, uh, Richard Jenkins' character was Ezra Grindel, he was, he, when he bought into it, you realized, like, how good Stan was. Um, I said, you want, I want to put a pan, pin in uh, Daniel Stratham. The, he played Pete. I feel like he stole that, that first act I was talking about, that first hour he's the one who kind of yeah, i mean he's the one who teaches stan you know that the craft that that led him to being so successful in bu buffalo but also thematically he really brought home this idea of what 
was kind of um, uh, messing with Stan the whole time, as we saw. Uh, I mean, daddy issues <laughs> comes into play in a major way. And when he was telling him, like, kind of how to uh, read people, he was saying, he's, he's like, it's always the father. It's always the father. Read the father. And he's like, you know, and I also loved how he was describing how you could be good at this. He's like, if you're good at reading people, it's because you learned as a child um, trying to stay, you know, uh, a step ahead of what tormented you. And it was just, that was, that was interesting to me, just the fact that, like, if you are someone that is good at, like, kind of, you know, uh, uh, figuring others out, it's because you have to. It's, it's yeah. a desperation thing. And desperation, as much as daddy, daddy issues comes into play, desperation is another thing that comes into play. I mean, that is how they are pulling people into this, this seedy underworld. And, you know, it's, it's the Carney world is super, super cruel. Uh, Clem played by um, William uh, Defoe, which is unbelievable. He traps people into this geek job, yeah. Um, yeah. capitalizing on their poverty, their desperation and addiction. And, and the way that was brought full circle and, and what happens to Stan, uh, again, yeah. it felt so amazingly constructed. And, and that's, I mean, beyond, uh, you know, Guillermo, I, this is, I mean, you know, goes back to, um, you know, Gresham's novel and, you know, the remake. This is, this, is, this is a story I understand why they want to tell again. This is, this is a classic, you know, story of greed and, what, what it can do to you. And, and I don't know, I just, not only was this film so uh, made in as an ode to classic films, it's, it's a classic story too. It's just, it's, yeah. I, I understand why they want to bring it to the screen again. Yeah. I have to, I have a lot to add to that. I gotta go all the way Please. back, but like one of the things I love about it is, you know, that what plays so well into this classic, sort of fantasy story is this wanting something and there's almost like the book almost it symbolizes sort of like a secret power uh, or or, a, or an anecdote or a, a potion and this the idea is so simple that even as a kid in high school I wrote a short story about <clears throat> like a stand-up comedian that wanted to be funny and he wasn't funny and like his friend made him an elixir that would make him funny and and I, and you know, it went obviously awry. And so just as a little kid, I understood the idea of this story of like wanting something, you you misuse it, you were warned, and then all hell breaks loose. And <clears throat> so it's, I love how simple the story, the idea was. And as soon as you, as soon as um, uh, Pete said, you know, what are you doing with that? You got to know how to use it. You know, he's not going to use it correctly and you know, he's going to use it. And so I, I, I'm not someone who, you know, I, uh, I know people who can see what, how a film's going to end and they'll announce it like 10 minutes into the film. And I'm one of these people that I don't do that. I'm watching, I'm watching it. So I'm always surprised. I'm not yep. trying to like think ahead. So when Bradley Cooper, becomes i mean is it okay to say that when he when it all comes yes. full circle yes. he becomes the geek yes i was just like you know and the the laughing that he was doing because of he knew at that yes. moment that he'd been duped and all this yep. stuff 
like you see it happening right when he gets in there, but like his final line in the laughter, it, it just was so incredible. And you know, I, I as someone who doesn't pick who doesn't pick the killer very well in like murder <laughs> mystery, I was just I was blown away. I didn't see it coming. You know, I should have seen it coming. But it, I but even as someone who's been watching movies, as I, alive, I, I, didn't. I I I think I think that's completely fair though. It's I mean because <laughs> everything with his transformation, I believe, felt completely earned. Whether it's his rise to becoming, you know, someone who's able to become that, you know, influential and make that much money in like the Buffalo scene, leave the Carney scene, and also his fall, which was completely tragic. But like, yeah. it was, it, I mean, that's, that's, that's the sign of great storytelling, if you ask me. Like, they, it wasn't, while it was surprising, it wasn't a surprise. It was earned. And, and meaning that, that, you know, like you understood how he got from that point, you know, coming up and coming down. You, you it made sense. They sh they took you through it. You were in it, but there was something of that closing reveal of him, you know, relenting to be a geek, where it was more powerful because he was he was gone. He needed to. He was desperate. He was an addict at that point. He was whatever. But at the same time, in his eyes. You can see that he also knew. He knew how bad this was. He knew how hard he had fallen. And just just to speak to Bradley Cooper's performance, um, you know, most of the time, you know, it felt like completely in his wheelhouse. He's a very confident actor. When he when he's out there, he when he's like portraying confidence, he just excels so much. But like him breaking at the end was one of the most impressive things I've seen. I I actually believe like he was almost robbed of a uh, 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 best actor nominee. It's pretty stacked field um, yeah. this year, but I mean, I could probably it slide like him in. It's... The whole movie. It made the whole movie for me. Just right. The final bit of him laughing and, and saying, "I'm up for. Am I up for it? I yeah. was born for this." That his his, his eyes, the way he was shaking, his teeth, everything. I, I could see it so visually. The the way he was doing it, it was. It, it, it was absolutely, it actually, it was just absolutely stunning. I mean, the, his, so it's funny because I want to talk about like his transformation into being this monster. But the thing is, he was um, pretty monstrous as we find out at the end, the entire time. I mean, we see, you know, this flashback of him pulling a, a, a blanket off his father and letting him, you know, kind of freeze and, and just kind of uh, die in that way. But still, there was a transformation of him into the ultimate monster beginning with him being shot in the ear. So he's kind of being disfigured all of a sudden. And then he turns into this kind of nasty, uh, you know, boxcar drunk. And then, you know, uh, eventually to a geek who was, who was, as he says, born for, for it. But I mean, it, it's, you know, he was dehumanizing people the whole time. And then to see him broken down and dehumanized in that way, it's, 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 just a perfect classic Hollywood tremendous downfall, and it was played so well. And I don't know, I was it's it, it, like I said, I want to say it again, it all felt earned. I think the element that allows him to be sort of we we get information about him in the get, beginning that we know he's killed someone, 
we don't know all the specifics, so maybe we assume it was an accident or just part of life. But the big element that I think they pull out from under us is control. It always seemed like he had control. Great point. First point of the movie, halfway point of the movie, and it's when it's when he starts losing the control through. I would say things he he could have done differently, but also, uh, well, I would say things he could have done differently is why the control starts. You know, he could have he could have bailed it at any moment with uh, Ezra, but his greed pushed him. But it always seemed like he could stop at any time. If that makes sense, it always seemed like he could take the money and get out. But once once he went too far and and had. Uh, Molly appears as the ghost, it was sort of up to fate at that point. He had no, you know, he couldn't, he couldn't really keep all the elements together. He, he went, he went too crazy. He went too wild with his, <laughs> with his idea and it just fell apart. And then the control was gone. And then he, you know, so we're, we're watching, we're watching someone slowly give up that, that, that ability to, to keep it all together and you know so absolutely i mean i, I would say evil, i would say go on the evil the desperation sort of start to meet yes i would say i would say there's another aspect that like it that's paired with that too though is uh uh lilith was kind of in more mm -hmm. control than we thought the whole time i mean she had a like a you know serious disdain for those like him who you know, swindle global people out of cash. And like, she was playing him more than we could have imagined. I mean, as the, I mean, the, the most gripping scenes, if, if you ask me in, in amongst all these gripping scenes is them two going at it. And, and, and they're yeah. both like these, you know, uh, confident, serious thing, but like she was slowly, as you watch all their scenes together, she was kind of slowly, playing him or more, you know, I think aptly put, uh, kind of sucking his power from him. The and I think all time. along we knew she was somehow. We didn't yep. know exactly. And I don't think he wanted us to think anything differently, but the it, it was always set up that we knew something. We knew that she was smarter than him in some way, yeah. shape or form. Yeah. Whether or not he ends up winning, we didn't know. Like everything, we were like, well, maybe he can get what he wants from her and get out. But it always seemed like she <clears throat> was one step ahead of him. Absolutely. The way she played it. I mean, I just, I can't say enough about Kate. I mean, there's like this intense elegance that, that moves her character forward, but then she just like, she has this fierceness and bravery. Even when he is physically attacking her, she doesn't seem scared at the end. And she's, she's, at that point she's completely in control and yeah it's it's that was another thing that like i don't think i fully saw her taking the power until she took it it it, it, it was like this slow the slow pull of of what she was doing to him and we should have seen it like you know how in control she was her the way she uh approached her craft with, with recording everything and and as I'm talking about it, I can't get, I can't stop thinking visually. I'm just thinking of her office and just the yeah. arches and like the glow of the room and, and how spacious it was and the way she moved about it. And I just, again, it's 
the, one the, of the best sets in the movie in my opinion uh, yeah different than the than the underworld and the dirty alleyway kind of style but so just so like cold and and i guess art deco i want to say sure. it just yep. like yep a lot of clean lines and just felt like it felt like i'm a poster you know just yeah. very stylized I, that's probably my favorite room me too i think i i read somewhere that that uh when they first were constructing it there was a lot of kind of parallel lines and squares and everything and and when they kind of walked in and you know Guillermo and tamara they were just like nope nope we need we need flow we need space we want kind of this this creature that was you know kate's character to to Lilith to be able to move they made it bigger and like to have her like kind of yeah. own this own this own this big space but I mean you know I know when I when I reach out to you uh before we we, we had this discussion here I was like can we talk about one of the you know best picture films and you know I, I, you mentioned this and it just I keep thinking about it and I actually I actually love this grouping of best picture films i uh, you know coda blew my mind is i i love dune I, I i think it's a i think it's a better group than it's getting credit for but i mean i just i i, I mean is nightmare alley uh you know the best picture of the year i think the argument can surely be made i don't know what's going to happen in the oscars but i mean just thinking about how well this was put together how amazing this cast was and how uh, tremendously they brought this story to life and just the cinematography the production as we, we've gone on and on again about I it it is if it were to win it is completely deserving in my mind of best picture of the year it's that good I would say right now even though I haven't finished everything for me yep. I might give West Side Story a slight you love West Side not, Story not, didn't you I saw you tweet West about that yeah but that Great. doesn't mean that this is one of my favorite movies. It might just mean that I like that for other reasons or yep. whatever. Um, but I don't know that, and this is a, an actual question. I don't know that there's a front runner. Is there a front runner right now? Is so. there a movie? There's not. Okay, so nope. there's not a movie that everyone is saying is going to walk. Nope. Yep. Know. Which makes it, real, it makes it like a real interesting race. Can I can I stop you there for a second? I Can I ask you, um, what was it about West Side Story you love so much? That's a loaded uh, question, but I would love well, to hear you speak on it in any way. Well, two things that <clears throat> I love so much about the movie. One, the easy thing is I'm watching the movie and there's just there's just storytelling things that he's done in Jurassic Park, Indiana Jones, all the way through Jaws even. Yep. Uh, but more so now where you just take him for granted because he's so good. There's just, there's a scene where they're in the apartment and um one character's talking through through uh these like nightgowns yep. or or like i don't know if they were laced but they were see-through and the light is just hitting these things because of other things that are in the room and they're and they appear as like almost like ghosts and you know it's just like maybe that was in the production design but it could have easily just been that he walked in and said you know what i want to do i have an idea um, and just made that happen. And it's things that he can do on the day or in, in the moment that another film director would have had to work on that for months. Now, maybe he did work on it for months. 
but there's just so many of these visual like there's a scene in the police station where after they do the big dance the floor is is tiled in these perfectly rigid squares where these like there's like a darker square uh -huh. going all the way up in this very rigid way and all of these newspapers had fallen at angles so every newspaper is at an angle juxtaposed against these rigid pattern to show the that they created disorder in this orderly place well these are just things that i know you have to plan them but it feels like he thought them it feels like they aren't meant to be there yeah it feels like it happened by accident in a good way does it's, that make sense absolutely it, but it's not it feels it's effortless it feels like it just the... happened there's nothing uh, in his shot that just happens you know it, yeah but it feels that it way feels you're watching it and you're like look at the way the shadows just that feels like that was something that he that was because of where they shot but totally. he you know, and then, and then on the other hand, it's just the emotion. It's the I, I I'm one of those people. I'm a very emotional person. Yep. And certain filmmakers have. I mean, I I I got teary eyed during artificial intelligence. So it's not. It's just his ability to like tug at my heartstrings, and he did in this. I've seen the original West Side Story a number of times. It's a. Uh, it's. Yeah, it's I, I'm not a huge musical person, but I do love that musical. Yeah. I love the era of overtures. I wish there would have been like an overture in it, but yeah, I just felt like it was the most flawless thing I've seen in a number of years. Talk, talking about uh, emotional, you should have seen me. I saw Sarah Noe last night and I was a puddle the entire time. That's oh, another yeah. another person that um, we've mentioned Oscars a little bit. Uh, Peter Dinklage should have been right there in the running for, for best actor. That was, that was, oh, okay. that was, that was emotional piece of art, but uh uh, any anything else you want to say about the Nightmare Alley? I I, I think we phrased it, um, uh, you know, properly. Yeah, I mean, uh, ending on talking about West Side Story should only be considered an aside. It is it's an aside. Yes, best picture. It's actually absolutely deserving. It is absolutely probably my, I don't know. It's neck and neck with with, you know, that that one. Yep. Um, I put it over other films that I've seen that are nominated. It's it's just a, a it's just a person who, at this point, knows exactly how to how to keep telling these stories that he's interested in. It's only getting better and better. And if you like if you like fantasy and you like escape and you like to sort of err on the dark side with with stories, this is perfect. It's and you just you know it's it's one for the one for history. I love that you just said the word escape. It's he takes you on a journey. It's 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 why I fell in love with movies. He he removes you from this planet and takes you into whatever world that he's creating. The film to me it felt so tight. Like he knew every moment what he wanted it to be, what it needed to be. Uh, and like I said earlier, his stance transitions, the rise and the fall, they all felt so earned. It all felt uh, it, it, it just felt so perfectly put together, a classic Hollywood, you know, movie using all of today's tools and all of like, it, it just, it was one of the most crisp films. Uh, crisp is a word I, I, I'm surprised I didn't use earlier, just like with the glow and the, the way the corners felt, every, every, just everything, and we alluded to it, felt tangible, felt touchable, it felt real. 
it's it's it was really really incredible i'm you know what i'm really excited to see i i really do believe this i said it earlier that he's one of the most impressive filmmakers that we have going today i can't wait to see what he does moving forward i think he's got um i think he's got a pinocchio film uh in the works for netflix whatever whatever he does i'm here for it what a film this was i'm glad we had the chance to talk about it because we had to tip our hats nightmare alley so this was good this was yeah. this was a ton of fun so thank you Mitch. thank you yep and uh and thank you everybody out there for joining the party we'll be back real real soon so thanks This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at osirispod.com.